On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Take a deep breath and grab a cocktail or whatever you need to get your head right, because today we're going deep in the feels it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Sorry, not sorry. Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. You're going to need leverage to get to that next rung on the ladder on the climb. It's what you have to have. You're not going to be discovered with zero work, zero focus, and zero track record be turned into some kind of uh, prodigy that's going to be able to make a living doing what you love to do as an artist, you know, as a songwriter, which I also consider artists. Mm -hmm. No, you're going to need to have a track record. That's how you're going to get the record deal if that's what you really want. That's how you're going to get the management company. That's how you're going to get the booking agency. That's how you're going to get the better musicians and the better writers around you into the better rooms when you're co-writing. It's a track record, and that's what creates the leverage. Why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter name from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. He's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A., Joe Nichols and more got two number ones last year, right? Mm -hmm. He's still in the top 10 this year. And what I love about Brent is he's helping songwriters, aspiring songwriters like you learn how to do business like a pro, learn how to write like a pro. And then he gives you regular opportunities to connect with the pros. So on, on one hand, you can find out where you're at on your journey. You got more work to do before you're competitive with the stuff that's on the radio. Or if you are competitive with the stuff on the radio, here's the guy that's going to help you and make this relationship right here. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Listen, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing well. I'm excited. We pre-talked this one a little bit, and I'm fired up to dive into today's topic because I think it's going to be super helpful for climbers out there, and I'm, I'm fired up. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go deep in this and, and and just share some of the stuff that's been going on with me. This was inspired by the Sales Wolves podcast, which is all salesy stuff. So, you know, no musicians can want to listen to that. But um, I mean, I'm a podcast junkie and I want to give credit where credit is due. This is a podcast that is hosted by Tyler Jack Harris and Joseph Caldwell, who happens to also be a former Navy SEAL. Okay. Oh. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I'll kind of connect all these dots. But first, let's take care of some business. Yeah. Shout out to American Songwriter Magazine. I'm super stoked that we are on that podcast network. I know you are, too. We're very grateful for that. This is a 36-year-old brand name that I've known forever. And to be just a, a, under that umbrella is pretty darn cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
Make sure you subscribe to the Climb community on Facebook. This is a thriving community. There's a lot of information, a lot of stuff going back and forth there. Places where you can talk about your wins. We've got the songwriting, like co-writes happening there. Even from different countries, people are getting together and having success, getting placements, making stuff happen, and uh, asking questions about promotion and getting really good answers. Uh, we want you to join. you got to ask to be let in, but... We'll let you in. Just be good boys and girls, and you won't get roadhoused out. There's not that many rules. That's right. We, we keep it simple. Johnny is rock and roll. We don't like all the rules. I know. You got like Johnny Cash said, walk the line. Don't give me no rules. All I got are rules. So, yes, <laughs> we try to keep it simple. So, yeah, and we also like to share our wins. Uh, and so every Wednesday we post in the Climb community, we post the new height segment. So it's a chance for big or small. Share them all, and we celebrate. I just want to share a couple of those. So our buddy Marvin Adcock from over in Kansas he said, uh, the ceremony is tonight for the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, and I have a song in the running in the social impact category. Winning's an extremely long shot, but just being nominated feels really good. So, Marvin, you have to let us know. He hasn't updated it yet. How'd you oh. do? So, congrats on being nominated. Yeah, that is an honor. But, but, yeah, let us know if you won. So, people wishing him luck on there, like Chris and James. So that's cool. Uh, let's see. Patrick Adams said, I made some great headway in the jam session in Co-Writer ca- uh, Cafe from the Songwriting Pro get-together last night. Yes. So looking at working with some new writers. Let's keep on climbing, everybody. So folks like him and Chris Wallace, who also posted about the, the jam session in, in Co-Writer Cafe, uh, that was some of their wins for the week because that's what we do every month over Songwriting Pro is have the jam session, which is just ask me because you know how I like Baxter names. We have the Co-Writer Cafe where people are meeting new co-writers. So we had a couple people mention that. As their, as their wins for the week. And so that's awesome. I love being a part of that. Killer. Well, yes. congratulations to everyone there. I love hearing these wins. This is, I mean, it's never been a better time to be an independent musician. Despite what you may tell yourself. That's, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and hey, listen, leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200. And finally, the, the most important thing you can do is tell somebody about this podcast. We have so many people that binge this and just go down the rabbit hole. If we're taking that much time of your day, it's meaning something to you. We're thrilled about that. Yes. But if we tell other people that, it's 50% true. But if you tell them, it's 100% true. That's right. So turn on your other musician friends, your other artist friends, your other songwriter friends. Let them know what's going on. That's right. Because if we're worth binging, we're worth spewing. That's right. So have you ever talked to anybody, Brent, that and maybe gotten into this conversation? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But they, they say they don't have an internal dialogue. <laughs> no, I haven't. I mean, I don't, I've I don't talk to a ton of people about their internal dialogue, but I can't imagine someone saying they don't have one. That's crazy. I mean, not clinically, but, you know. It's rare, but the, any person that says that they don't have an internal dialogue, I can tell you right now with 100% certainty, this person's not going to make it. Well, I mean, if you're not even self-aware enough to know that you have an internal dialogue. Yeah. Because you do, that, either, or there's, the clock ain't ticking. That's ex- I mean, that's exactly something's, something's the wrong. word. It, it's, this, yeah. it's being self-aware enough to know that you're talking to yourself all day long. And that there is an internal dialogue going on. And you'll never be self-aware enough to pay attention to what it's saying and to discover that your dialogue, your internal dialogue, is predominantly probably negative. Well, that's optimistic. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the reality. And we're going to unpack this a little bit, okay, because this is just the reality. And I'm going to share... Like a personal experience that just happened 
to me like in the past couple of weeks, which kind of drove this whole episode here. But, you know, I was listening to the Sales Wolf podcast and I heard this episode and I decided to pay attention. You know, me, I'm one of the most positive people I know. Mm-hmm. Just ask me, I'll tell you, right? But I mean, I'm not, <laughs> so I, I think I love lo- about you, Johnny. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would back that up. But I was shocked, shocked at how negative my internal dialogue was. And I didn't even realize it because I wasn't paying attention. Okay. And what goes on inside of people is a thousand times more important than money, than the environment they're in, Mm -hmm. than the family situations that they've had to deal with or are currently dealing with, than success, than failure, a thousand times more important than hope or fear, love or hate, etc. Everybody, male and female, has an internal battle that's going on every single day. Mm -hmm. Man, the Apostle Paul talked about this. He said, like, I've learned to be content kind of in any circumstances. Yeah. And this dude was writing that from prison, a Roman prison. Yeah. Not a white collar yacht club prison. Right. Chained <laughs> like a, a Roman, Roman soldier kind of prison. So Kind of yeah. hanging from the wall by your wrists. Right. So, yeah. Internal dialogue, hugely important. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you say to yourself, what people say to themselves inside is the biggest driver of action on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this, and I'm, I'm thinking of you now, Brent. How does someone go from a, a regular corporate khaki-wearing desk job where you're the, the corporate groundhog popping up over the, <laughs> over the dividers, right, and then pivot, right, oh. to become something else, a hit songwriter, an artist, uh, maybe a different, more fulfilling gig, mm-hmm. maybe a, a better, more fulfilling relationship, et cetera. How does that happen? Gee, I might know a little something about that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Since I was in a cubicle at Altel in Little Rock, Arkansas in 2000 through 2002 before I moved to Nashville. So, yeah, I was in the khaki ant farm. Man, I just, I just kept working. I just kept working, looking for opportunities. And largely in part to the dialogue that was going on inside your head, right? And we don't talk enough or teach enough about what to say to yourself, Mm-hmm. inside your head. And because of that, I think most people are alone. They're all alone with that battle, trying to figure it out, trying to deal with it, you know, probably ignoring it on purpose, or they just become oblivious to the fact that it's going on. And maybe this is kind of redundant, but they don't realize they've tuned it out to an extent, mm-hmm. but it has the same effect, right? So yeah, the program is still running, whether or not it's an active on your desktop or running in the background. Way to go. That's a killer way to put that. So Joseph Caldwell, former Navy SEAL, he's talking in this podcast, he's talking about Navy Navy SEAL training, right? That's no joke. And he said 85% of people don't make it through Navy SEAL training, right? Mm -hmm. There's three ways to get out of Navy SEAL training. Number one is you break physically. Mm -hmm. Like you break a bone, you get sick, you get injured, and you can't continue. Number two is you fail a subject or an academic test. You know, they got to have a certain amount of intelligence if you're going to be part of SEAL Team 6, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> across the board. And number three is you quit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's call the 85% of the SEAL applicants who don't make it through, let's just say they represent 100% of the applicants who failed, right? Makes sense. Yes. 
Okay. So out of the 100% of the people who didn't make it through Navy SEAL training, 4% of those people can't pass tests. Okay. 6% medically can't make it. Oh boy. That's, they get injured. I feel a big number coming on. Yeah. 90% quit. Wow. 90% quit. It's shocking. It, it, they said it's mental, but it feels like it's real on the inside. Yeah. I mean, because that is physically so tough. Yeah, exactly. And But it's it's no different. Now, I'm not talking about the training here, but I'm talking about the mental battle. Mm-hmm. The same as the mental battle. Get up early in the morning or go to bed later at night and, and, and try to, you know, do what you got to do to make the change. The mental battle to really pay attention to what's going on inside your head mm-hmm. and to listen to it and to examine it. Mm-hmm. And what's going on. So, you know, before you develop the voice inside your head that is positive, before you create that cheerleader voice, the thing that's going to keep you going, the voice is almost always going to be negative. And the reason that that is, is because we're hardwired to protect ourselves biologically and we're programmed to a large extent to be negative environmentally from the get go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to unpack that just a little bit. Yeah. Biologically, I mean, when we feel danger, see danger, anticipate danger, we instinctively go into fight or flight mode. Yes. Both are negative, yeah. but necessary. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not negative, but it's not a bad thing to run away from the bear. I'm not judging it. It's just right. the reality of the, the situation is negative. The situation right? so, is negative. Right. Yeah. And this is a hardwired natural reaction for all animals. We run or we fight. Mm-hmm. We protect ourselves. You know, Randy Barber, who we interviewed, he has a, uh, he has a service dog, German Shepherd. Just yesterday we were talking and have you, have, you know, those things that they have for, I can't remember what they call them, but it's, it's like a ball thing that you play with your dog, but it comes with this big long handle and you can put the ball on the end of the handle. Oh, yeah, so, you can it ball yeah. so yeah. So he's playing with his service dog, this German shepherd. Uh, her name is paycheck. Right. <laughs> and he's playing with that. And then Randy's wife comes home and the dog grabs the ball and then starts running towards his wife. Cause she's excited to see uh, Lisa. And while she's running, she swallows the freaking ball. Oh, Okay. And so Randy's freaking out like his neighbors over the fence and it it was stuck in her throat and she was straight up choking. Oh my gosh. No, no air and freaking out because she couldn't get the ball out. And so uh, the neighbor saw this, jumped over the fence. They're really tight and was trying to hold her down. And Randy's going in down her throat with his hand, trying to pull the ball out, which he did do and got bit like 17 puncture wounds in his hand. Oh, I mean, she tore him up, right? Because yeah. she's just fight or flight, yeah. right? That dog loves Randy, but that's, this is what, I mean, this is just what happens. And and if he hadn't pulled that damn ball out, dog would have died Whew. for sure. Good job, Randy. And it's a service dog. So we're talking about a $20,000 animal. Right? A, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that matters, your, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's just that's like, a, like a dog and that dog is your friend. So that's biologically. Environmentally, this is going to be an eye opener to a lot of you. The average child hears the word no 400 times per day. Mm. Wow. <laughs> the average child hears the word no 400 times per day. 
Now, you may think that number is an exaggeration, but if you think about how many times you hear a parent say like, no, 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 where they fire <laughs> off three or four in less than two <laughs> seconds, it's, it's easier to, to put that together. But let's, let's do some math on that. I know you mm-hmm. love math. You know, oh, yeah. You have no idea. It's wonderful. 400 no's per day. It's 146,000 no's per year. 146,000. All right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking you front, you front load the excessive no's in the beginning when they're toddlers. And, yeah. and there's a chance, hopefully, that, there's, that the no's decrease a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit as they get older through their formative years to like six or seven years old where they're a bit more trained and not so oblivious to the fact that, you know, sticking your tongue in an electrical outlet or putting marbles in your mouth is a bad idea. Right. They're, they're mildly easier to keep alive. You yes, know what I mean? Mildly. Oh, it, it is better. Um, yeah. It's still a, a task to keep them alive, but it's not, you know, the, some of the basic stuff they've learned, right? Yeah, you can play a soft zone. You don't have to play top man-to-man. Yeah, exactly. There yeah. you go. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's way to put it. Yeah. So 146,000 no's per year. That's 1,022,000 no's by the time you're seven years old. <laughs> and I picked the age of seven because they say that's when the basic personality of child has been developed, mm-hmm. right? And if you have incredible forward thinking and disciplined parents and they choose not to, I think, it, you know, first of all, I think there's a lot of parents who start off thinking they're never going to be that negative with their kids. You know, they want to do everything positive and then they have kids. <laughs> and then they have and, kids, right. Yeah, and then I'm thinking it's inevitable to raise kids without the word no. Yeah. But even if it's 200 no's per day, I mean, that's 73,000 no's a year. It's over a half a million no's by the time you're seven. Yeah. But it's protection. Your parents freaked out and said no when you reached for that stove burner mm-hmm. when you were two, when you were leaning over the banister on the second floor, when you dropped a glass and it shattered and you immediately decided to commence picking it up, you know, because that's what you should do, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And or when you ran to a strange dog on a leash to give it a hug, you know, mm-hmm. it's protection and it's, it's, it takes the negativity. Let's call it crisis negativity. Okay, Mm -hmm. you can't calmly talk to a child who in your most calm, inclusive, encouraging, positive parenting tactics, who's about to touch the red hot, colorful stove in less than one second. Right. They're reaching for it. Right. That's that's a scream and pounce. You yeah, you have to scream and pounce and to save them from a certain burn trauma. Their parents have to react. Mm -hmm. You have to hear it. They have to make you scared to protect you from that harm. Right. Mm-hmm. The question is, what happens next? How does that understandable parent protection affect you later on? And then I think about the not so good parents, mm-hmm. the parents who are who are emotionally stunted in some way or the other. They've got their own cross to bear, maybe their own demons they're trying to deal with. And how much more negativity do they unload on their kids on top of the normal amount that you yeah. need to sort of stay alive, right? Yeah. I mean, having kids is super stressful. So it depends on your how your mechanisms for dealing with that and how equipped you are to deal with that. You can definitely get way past the one million no's. Yeah, right. So and so how do you handle your negative thoughts? You know, you've downloaded the programming by the time you're seven, largely in the beginning here of your life through no fault of your own. And we get our programming when we're young, through adults, through our circumstances, through our surroundings. That's how we're programmed in the beginning. And I think whether we have the greatest parents or whether we have mediocre parents or whether we have horrifically bad parents, whether we like it or not, we get a buttload of negative programming by the time we're seven years old. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, for everybody's sake listening here, I'm hoping most of that was for the right reasons, but many of us get a lot of bad negative programming for some really crappy reasons Mm -hmm. on top of that. So this programming is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to recognize it Mm -hmm. and to reprogram the negativity out. Yeah. It's not your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. We've talked about that before in the podcast. It doesn't mean it's not your responsibility to change some of the programming. I I think of it like a a software upgrade to your brain. Mm -hmm. A certain amount of negative software had to be programmed into you to save your life, (laughs) your appendages, your health, your childhood, to learn, to teach you to learn, right? The difference between good and bad and what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior. Um, Some of you got a buttload of extra crappy, hurtful software on top of the necessary amount, Mm -hmm. but don't you dare think that means it's not your responsibility to upgrade your software too to a more positive spin right now. And then you add in what's happening these days here with the mainstream media. And this doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're sitting on, but it is political, right? But Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about one side versus the other side. I'm talking about you turn on any channel and the mainstream media is overwhelmingly, and our government is overwhelmingly promoting victimization. It's not your fault. So let the government take care of life for you. Here's who's to blame for your misery and trust us, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Trust us. This is who's to blame for your misery. Oh, right. Okay. But either way, it's not your fault. No, no, never your fault. It's hard to get votes telling people it's their fault. Exactly. You know, and and just for the record here, like, I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. Victimization doesn't work. It doesn't Mm -hmm. provide fulfillment. It won't make you happy. Doesn't matter how many people validate (laughs) how your victimhood that you're a victim. That's that's not going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. The whole world says it's okay. You're a victim. Not going to make you happy. Yeah. It won't get you to where you want to go. It won't get you out of the circumstances that you're in right now. Yeah. Whatever those are, if they're horrible circumstances or if they're pretty good circumstances, but you're trying to do better, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to climb that ladder taken like a victim. It's just not going to happen. Right. So I, I say this because I think we need to be extra careful during these times right now to be aware of the messages we're, we're receiving while we're trying to reprogram ourselves from the inside. You know, mm-hmm. I I check in on the news about once a week, but I don't own cable. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need the fricking blow by blow. It's not conducive to my productivity. Right. It's just not. So you can absolutely change the programming inside your mind through habit, mm-hmm. right? Just like anything else. And the first thing you need to do is understand what you're thinking about mm-hmm. and how it affects you. Right. And so when you start watching what you're thinking as a bystander, you'll be amazed I promise you, at the dark reality of it, no matter how positive a person you are, you might even be disgusted that you could think such horrible things, mm-hmm. you know, with yourself, right? But write them down for one day. Make a commitment to write, to watch what you're thinking for one day and write everything down. Mm-hmm. It's a, Brent, it's a sobering it's a cesspool. reality. It's a cesspool. Yeah. I've heard it's it said a, like, yeah. like, we say stuff to ourselves that we'd punch somebody else if they said to us, you know, like we, yes. we set up with stuff from ourselves that we would never let someone else say to us or we would never say to someone else. Stuff way meaner and nastier and 
Say that one more time, the first line. We put up with telling ourselves stuff that if somebody else told us, we'd punch them in the face. Yeah. Or, or told, you know, a friend of ours or your mother, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Or your sister or, you know, your best friend. I mean, I, you know, I, like everybody else, I mean, we all got different levels of, of aggravations and, and, and doubts and, and stuff like that. And, and lately, I've been dealing with some personal and some business strife lately. Mm-hmm. I had a moment of doubt with an important client of mine. And after I heard this podcast episode on the sales walls, I started paying attention to the voice inside my head. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed the voice has different volumes. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes uh, you can imagine with me, it's loud and boisterous. <laughs> And sometimes it's barely audible and the freaking barely audible dialogue, that's the bitch of the bunch. Because <laughs> it knows if I, if I say it too loud, he's going to notice yeah. me. That's what you're not paying attention to. And it's undoubtedly the most negative stuff, mm-hmm. right? So for me, I first caught this on a run, right? I'm changing my, my COVID exercise habits here. I got to get back to working out. Mm-hmm. I'm single again, and I'm trying to get into shape, vanity first, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's better for everything, so yeah. let vanity fly my vanity flag, you know. So I got that going on, right? And then I had this newer corporate client that was getting in their own way a bit, and this dynamic was causing my client to ghost me over the holidays, which we're in a really critical time because – I have a bunch of railroad track to lay down, a bunch of infrastructure to build for my client before we get to the fun stuff, the the advertising where I make the phone ring stuff and yeah. start making money stuff. But I, I was waiting because I had no other choice on a few mission-critical logins for some software and some content approval stuff to ensure that my client was compliant with the law. This is a, a life insurance corporate client I have. Uh, and so this ghost in me had me really worried because there's a lot at stake with this. And I had a lot of things to prove. I had a lot of case studies to create. And I believe this client is brilliant and perfect for what we're trying to accomplish here on the platform we're trying to accomplish it on. And I know it's going to work, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know it's going to work. Not yet. And it was clearly, it was getting him nervous. And so, dude, the crap I was thinking scared the crap out of me. Huh. Yeah. And I, I meant that to be redundant. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I don't really know what's going on. I'm worried about, you know, losing the opportunity and, and the budget to make some more of these miracles happen and to learn more about what's working. I'm worried about letting my client down, mm-hmm. even though he's getting in his own way. I'm, the end result's going to be, it's not going to work. And I'm worried about looking like a fool. I'm worried about looking like I'm not genuine, like I'm not a man of my word. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about losing. I'm worried about losing my retainer. I'm worried about the money. I'm worried about what other adjustments I'm going to need to make for my business to keep it going because I've already decided that I suck now and that I need to adjust my budget to handle being sucky. Okay. And it didn't stop there. I'm single again, as I said, as a seven months ago in dating. So what's my future girlfriend going to think if she finds out I suck? You know, I'm really not, not worthy. Right. And then remember I was running to lose the COVID weight. So I was disgusted with myself for getting these (laughs) pounds and telling myself it's going to take forever to lose the weight. And have I gained that much weight? No. I mean, I, I need to lose 10 or 20 pounds, but it feels real inside my head. And I'm at the beginning stages of my workouts and they're not fun. That's the worst part. And Holy crap. <laughs> Did you see how quickly that devolved into an, 
And I'm sorry, but a total shit show of negativity that encapsulated health, mm -hmm. wealth, and relationships in the first freaking five minutes of my three mile run. Wow. <laughs> I mean, dude, I was like, and this is me. This is Johnny D. Right. You know, T-O-X-I-C, toxic. Mm -hmm. You got to do this, man. You got to do this, girl. You got to pay attention to what you're saying to yourself. The people who say they don't have enough time, they don't. Right. But we all have the same 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You have the same 24 hours. I have the same 24 hours. Everyone has the same 24 hours. So what makes the difference is what you say inside your head. If you say you don't have enough time, you're right. Yeah. And that's what you're programming yourself into. I mean, how does someone like... James Brown or Ray Charles or Eminem or Nikki Six or Travis Meadows. How do they come from nothing mm -hmm. to become who they are? And here I am. I can't get out of bed one hour earlier to read some of the freaking books I bought. Right. <laughs> right. What's the difference? It's what's going on inside my head. Yeah. You know, the I can't, the I shouldn't, the I won't, the I'm broke, that I don't live in Nashville, mm -hmm. that I don't have any co-writes, that I can't get my songs recorded, I can't afford to grow my audience. These are the negative things that you're saying. And you're coaching yourself into failure. Mm -hmm. And what's scary is that a lot of you are doing this and you know you don't even realize it. Yeah. Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. I've had to watch my myself talk because I've noticed for a while, and my wife's pointed out like, it, it's amazing how I can overlook things I'm looking for, like physically look for something. Hey, Brent, can you get the ketchup out of the kitchen? You know, out of the fridge. I'm like, it ain't in here. And she'll walk up and she's like, it's right there. Like, what the <laughs> crap? It's a snake in a bitch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuff started happening enough where it started being like a little mental block. Like, I bet I could totally look at this and not see it because I don't, I think I don't see things. I think I don't find anything she sends me to see. Right. And then she reinforces that. So I'm going, you never can find anything. And I have to go, <laughs> you know what? No, no. Well, I mean, my eyes work, my brain works. If it's there and I can see it, I just got to notice it, right? And it's, what are you thinking? You're thinking thing. about something else while you're looking for the damn ketchup. I could and be that's thinking why about not. something else, or I could be thinking, and sometimes I'm thinking like, I'm not going to find this. 
Because I never find anything. You've already freaking decided. Right. So I'm going to be right. Right. I'm going to make myself right. So, yeah. I mean, seriously, like when she would start sending me to go find something, I'd be like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. It's right in front of me. I'm going to, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. And like having to talk myself up just to find the freaking mustard and the ketchup in the fridge, you know, which is yeah. sad, but it's, it's like, okay, no, I'm not buying this story that I can't find Italy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, no, yeah. I'm not accepting. I, I choose not to. I choose not to believe this narrative. So I'm going to counter program going, oh, if it comes up, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go find it. It may take a minute, but I'm going to find it. No. Okay. So, so like, okay. So how about like, a, okay, I can find the ketchup. I can find the yeah. ketchup. I I'm can find, find the ketchup. And then go there. I bet you nine times out of 10, you find the ketchup. Yeah. You know? And, and even while I'm looking, I'm feeling less defeated already. Like, exactly. I'm not going to let this story be my story. You know, sometimes I find stuff, sometimes I don't. But yeah, you know, I was like, it's a small thing, but it's like, it's it takes up some headspace. Like, okay, no, I'm not allowing that. I started talking myself into being old a little while back because I'm in oh, the 40s. Yeah. I got kids, like, you know, I got some of those aches and pains and stuff. And now I just, you know, nope. Making noises when you sit down. Oh, yeah. And now <laughs> make sure the whole house knows I'm sitting down. Just in case y'all want to gather around and hear Daddy sit down. Ugh, there we go. It's like that video that that commercial. It's I can't remember I what the product is on TV, but the guys like teach you not to be like your parents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, that happens. Why do I announce when I sit down? But it's not the physical. It's not the hardest thing I have to do in the day. It's not like yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but you know, you know I'm thinking about like I'm old and I oh okay here's where I fall apart. No, like having to go. You know what? No, I'm exercising. I'm being good shape. I played backyard football with a couple of my boys and a neighbor kid. And you know what? I could still score some touchdowns on some eight year olds. So you know, yeah, nice. you know, I can do this. I'm not going to act like I can't. You know, I'm going to hurt myself sometimes but that's fine i hurt myself playing football in high school yeah and, and the older you get you can start hurting yourself getting out of bed so that's it's true. not gonna stop sometimes you might as well do it having, just, doing something fun sometimes just staying <laughs> in bed hurts me so but i've noticed that kind of talk too going you know what no man it's i don't have to think old because i'm not old yeah i'm just older than my kids and my wife so but i can still be in good shape and still be healthy and still but just making sure that i think about that and start thinking like active and not thinking like we've got to protect myself because i'm old no let's go be active yeah there you go and we haven't got into the music business stuff yet i know and so let's talk about some environmental forces here i mean nobody gets broken down by somebody else they break themselves down we break ourselves down that's what we do. Back to that statement that you made before, like the things that you allow yourself to say inside your head to yourself, mm-hmm. you would never take from somebody else. Right. Nobody can make you feel bad without your permission. That's a fact. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I can be a complete a-hole to you and, and yell at you, right? And tell you you're worthless, but how you process that is far more important to your reality than the fact that I'm a, like a douche canoe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, how you process it far more important than the negative stimulus that's happening right there mm-hmm. in your environment. And experiencing anger from another person never has anything to do with you. It has everything to do with the other person. Well, you know what? You know? Okay, this so much of this reminded me of that podcast a couple episodes ago, Brent's conversation with an excuse maker, right? Yeah. So the kid had been had his songs rejected or not getting the response he wants, gotten some passes, and he reads that as they don't like something different and they're racist. Yeah. Versus, okay, I just need to get better and I can work on that and I can get better and I'm going to get better. 
No, exactly it says, it. oh, it's about these things I can't control. Therefore, I'm off the hook. Yeah. Because they don't like it. Right. They don't like how I look. I don't fit the model. And that's the key. We're going to get into that. So it's like, oh, how, how convenient. So you don't have to do anything about that. Okay, that's nice. I mean, occasionally I'll get some hate mail. And, and when it's hate, hateful, it's always like a lot hateful. <laughs> they're going <laughs> to bother. Because I'm me. Yeah, it's not, it, this isn't a veiled, like passive aggressive comment. This is like <laughs> an onslaught of, of negativity. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I see a challenge because mm-hmm. I know it's got nothing to do with me. Right. They don't know you. And I'll respond in, in, in a kind and caring tone and ask questions like, you know, hey, brother, I'm so sorry you're feeling this upset with what I said or with your experience here, but I'm having trouble figuring out how your experience created such a profound emotional reaction from you. Mm-hmm. I was talking about promoting music. Are, you know, are you okay? You know, <laughs> and 10 times out of 10, if I'm not 10 out of 10, I'm nine out of 10. The response with an apology yeah. explaining how they had a really bad day and I was just collateral damage. Yeah. And to be clear, I didn't do that to get the validation from me. Right. I did do it because I saw a communication challenge <laughs> and that was the validation that I wanted. Like, can I get through this guy or not? Yeah. But, um, you know, so let's talk about the breakdown. Well, I mean, when, that's, a, that's a different conversation you're having instead of just th- writing them off and going, what a jerk. Yeah. Loser. Going, what's going on there? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a reason they're responding that way. I wonder what's going on. There. Not just assuming the, the answer that lets you off the hook. That person's just an idiot or a jerk or whatever. What's going on there? Dig a little deeper. Like people have more stuff going on than we give them credit for. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they might even realize they did that. It could yeah. have been like a like a, a, a volatile vomiting session on email or something Yeah, that I was the unfortunate receiver of, so to speak. So when people break down, let's talk about the breakdown here. Um, Caldwell goes on to talk about when it comes to SEAL training, it's not real. <laughs> Everything that 100% of the applicants think SEAL training is going to be about, they're 100% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And if they're not interested in their own breakdown, then they're not willing to be broken down mentally or to dig deep, and they're not going to make it through the program, mm-hmm. right? And these are the most profound words that I heard in quite a while. I mean, that hit me right in the feels because I'm going to be honest. You know, a few episodes ago, I spoke. Remember when I was talking about like the, I was listening to the post-game Packer interviews? Yeah. For some reason, they were just speaking to me and some of the stuff they were saying was no excuses. Like this is, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, I'm going through that stuff that I'm going through. And just like the rest of you, it keeps coming back to how much will I break down everything that I'm saying to myself to get to the real truth Mm -hmm. of what's causing me the discomfort, right? Yeah. What's causing this dis-ease in myself right now. And eventually people stop going deep. They just stay on the surface and they think they can get by on what's gotten them this far. Mm -hmm. For me, it's my personality. It's my work ethic, charisma, my vibe. I'm not the best musician by far, but I understand what works and what doesn't work. I know how to articulate that to musicians in the studio when I'm producing and and they know they're way better musicians than I am, but that's not enough to achieve the level of excellence that I want to achieve in my life. They're still listening to me because it's about painting that picture, right? And so what are the colors we're going to put in there? I have to go deeper. If I don't go deeper, it's counterintuitive. If I don't go deeper, it's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. 
And, and you can go deep to find reasons to create excuses why you can't do what you need to do and make it valid. Yeah. Right. They have support groups where they'll validate your reason to quit pursuing whatever it is that's required you to attend the support group to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're the one that went so deep, you found a reason to leave, the reason to quit, the reason to give up, mm-hmm. right? But excuses are subtle, seductive, and believable. Mm-hmm. And that is more intoxicating and more addictive than heroin or fentanyl or whatever the bigger version of fentanyl is, you know, like the excuses, they're running everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Everybody deals with them. Yeah. And they're subtle, seductive, and believable. You know, no one says, you're not going to make it <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> you know? Well, no, no. It comes in the form of a different story. I can excuse myself from making a living as an artist because that's a pipe dream. My parents even think so. My friends are nice, but I can tell they don't approve it. Mm-hmm. I can excuse, excuse myself from being a, a pro writer because I don't live in Nashville. I got a family here and and BFE and I, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. And I can excuse myself from making a million dollars because money's the root of all evil. Right. I can excuse myself from a, being a better artist or songwriter because I don't feel good today. You know, you don't support me. And it's stupid because I've never had a hit and I can't win American Idol with my voice. And I have to focus on taking care of my family as if it's black and white. Right. As if taking care of your family means you can't be a better songwriter or being a better songwriter or being a better artist means you can't take care of your family. Right. Right. And, you know, you've tried and failed 900 times. That's enough. Just give it up. You can choose to adapt and apply the knowledge from what didn't work to some new idea. But most people don't because that's hard and they quit. Mm -hmm. The excuses are quiet at first. You know, the more you walk in, the, the, the excuses, the more pain you feel, the more pain you feel, the more believable the excuses become. That's real. That's so real. I get that. And, and this is when that negative voice begins to get louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized that deep down, I care about what other people think about me. Yeah. If you think I'm an a-hole, I, that's not going to bother me because I know I'm not. I can tell if you're judgmental or angry with me, that's not going to bother me. You're not going to get under my skin. I know I'm a nice guy. I know I'm a nice person. I know I truly care about other people and the artists and songwriters and my clients, my family and my friends. But what I really care about is like, you know, do you respect me for what I've done? Mm -hmm. And I realize that it's my accomplishments that will create the respect. And I'm exceptionally hard on myself to ensure that I'm doing everything I can to earn that respect, but the quitter within was redu- was seducing me towards these negative thoughts. Not that I thought about quitting, but if I went down that road, that's where it was going to end up. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning, right? That's the gateway drug to quitting is the negative, subtle, seductive, believable excuse. Give you an out. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this client of mine thing, and this is stupid. This guy's getting his own way. And I know because the slow process is, is moving markedly slower. He's mm-hmm. getting in his own way because it's moving slower than it already was because he's ghosting me. And he's not giving me what I need to help him to build the tracks that his train is going to run on. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. I, I can start thinking about how 
his attitude could hurt my reputation amongst the beehive of similar agents who are mm-hmm. watching my every move, who I hope to to bring into my company and to and to become clients. And I literally found myself thinking about like exit strategies and what I could do next after a complete failure of my business because of this one account. Mm-hmm. Toxic, right? Yeah. And then I began getting a grip. One account doesn't matter. If this goes sideways, I'll get more. The important thing is to learn from what went wrong here and use that knowledge to perfect my next client experience. I was honestly, objectively thinking, what do I need to do to manage a client's expectations better? Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter whose fault this speed bump was right. or what percentage of the blame there is. The only thing that matters is what can I control? And since I can I can control my client's experience and communication with my client, what can I do to improve the process to ensure that they have a clearer understanding of what we're doing, what it's going to take, how long it's going to take to get there. Where did I miss here? Mm-hmm. What didn't he understand clearly? I'm a great communicator and we have a systems problem is what I have, <laughs> right. right? And I have the power to fix that. Okay. So if you're an artist, if you're a songwriter and you want to play with the big dogs, I'm going to tell you this, they can recognize someone because once again, I bring you back to, we all start with the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And some people at some point in their life have that epiphany and they cross that epiphany bridge and they're like, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change my internal dialogue. I'm going to reprogram my brain. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. And it's difficult to do. And it never stops. Mm -hmm. You constantly have to be on top of it. And so when you cross that epiphany bridge and you get to that point, you're so protective of it. Right? Yeah. I don't watch the news. I'm protective of the crap that's being, the, the input that's going into my brain. Right. I don't want the Republicans telling me how bad the business climate is going to be under Biden. Yep. And I don't want the Democrats to tell me how I can't do it unless they come and save me or whatever. Yeah, I don't want the whatever Democrats to tell like, me I'm a white supremacist, you know, like what the hell, like, or whatever. Yeah. It's so harsh now. They've just overblown everything on both mm-hmm. sides. The words are horrific that they're using and they're devaluing the words which is scary. But if you want to play with the big dogs, man, artists, songwriters, musicians, they're going to recognize someone who's too far inside their own head Mm -hmm. and making excuses before y'all even, you know, before you even do anything. If you're not aware of the negative thoughts you're having, they will be. Hmm. We all begin with that negativity. We all have this battle and we all have these negative thoughts and the people who occupy the spaces that you would like to occupy right? Have somehow figured out different ways to manage that negativity that we all have going on with our internal dialogue. And I can assure you that they all started completely oblivious just to how negative the internal dialogue was in their heads. And then they realized they can change it and they changed it. Mm -hmm. So they're no different than you. They're just farther along on the journey than you are. But they know and they can instantly identify someone who hasn't managed at least a couple of paths out of the subconscious darkness, right? That negative tone. And not that any of us will ever get rid of that battle, but if you're the person who's given up trying to change that negativity, they'll see it and they'll react to it. And the masters can identify it immediately and they're going to make quick decisions. People who aren't so good at identifying still going to feel it. Mm -hmm. And they might not sure exactly how to articulate it or how to deal with it, but they're questioning everything because it's the negativity that affects them profoundly. Their answers are going to manifest themselves to you in the form of ghosting, mm-hmm. 
lies, sugar-coated reasons they can't work with you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, man. It's so important, the the positivity, because it's such, you know, music business. You think you hear a lot of no's before you're seven. Wait till you get into the business and really start taking swings. <laughs> like I'm on the, oh, I must be a six-year-old again. Yeah. As many no's or no responses as I hear. And so people want to work with people that are positive. And you can't be that positive person. You know, what is in you comes out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so there's some people that are just positive in the room and that gives you hope and that whole, we're going to get this cut, dadgummit, this is great. And man, that that buoys you. It, helps, it makes you want to work with that person because they shine a light. The opposite is somebody who's like, well, it doesn't really matter what we write because it's probably not going to get cut. So let's not really, I don't even, even if they don't say that, they're not entertaining that conversation. It's almost like it's a lost cause, so we'll write, but I don't really concern myself with what happens after that because probably nothing's going to happen after it. Yeah. Versus the person that's like, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to get this to somebody? What what are the doors we can walk through? Yeah. Those are the people I want to work with. And you can't, you can fake it for a little bit, I guess, but eventually he's going to show through that your, that negative dialogue is going to affect your actions. I had a buddy that he's not in the music business anymore, but he had moved to Nashville, a friend of mine from back home. And, uh, you know, we used to write a lot together, but he told me one time something that was really telling me because he, he was, you know, dreaming about being an artist more than mm-hmm. a writer, but, you know, we wrote a bunch of stuff. And he said, you know, if I never really try, I never really fail. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's scary. It's so harsh, right? He was and protecting himself from being a failure because like, well, I never really tried that much, you know. It's, it's a protection racket. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, it's a protection racket. And, and that comes from, like we said, like first seven years of his life. Mm-hmm. And not for a, for a bad reason. There might be some bad reasons in there, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of good ones that are the reason for a host of that negativity, right? But we got to recognize that. We got to understand that that's where it is. That's where it came from. And there is reprogramming that has to happen. And some of us have lots of reprogramming to do, but it never stops. Mm-hmm. You're constantly battling with that reprogramming, right? Yeah. And, and all excuses, again, subtle, seductive, believable. You never hear just quit. They hear inside their head real excuses that you can legitimize. And what these excuses do is they get you to not honor your word. Hmm. They give you the reason to let yourself down. So my question to you, climbers, is what happens to you on your bad days? Is your internal monologue saying, every time I do this, or nobody can blah, 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 or this, this thing always happens, and you fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. If your internal monologue is negative, it's guaranteed to create another bad day. If it's positive, you'll turn it around, okay? And gratitude is the most positive mantra to reprogram your thoughts. This is the answer, right? Mm -hmm. When you're having that bad day, when you're complaining, you've got to go back to What are you grateful for? What do you have to be grateful for? I'm grateful I get to work hard and work in this music business and help artists and help my corporate clients and do stuff for them they haven't done before. Mm -hmm. And I make money for my clients and they love me for that. I'm grateful that I have talent and I just had, like if you're an artist or a singer or songwriter, and if you just had an opportunity and that opportunity went sideways and it didn't work, that was an at-bat. Yeah. That you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you get one at bat, you get another at bat. Right. That's right. And so now you've gone from being on the, on the nosebleed section in the damn stadium, working your way down to sitting behind center plate 
And then lo and behold, you're on the team and you got an at-bat? Do you realize how far you've come? Mm -hmm. That's an at-bat. You got another one coming up. I promise you. But not if all you do is worry about why you didn't hit that ball because you can't fix that now. That's right. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, once I get one opportunity, that's going to lead to another one. If you have a, a smartphone and a computer, you're in the top 1% of the planet. There are billions of people right now who are praying to be where you are and have your first world problems. That's right. These are things you're grateful for. Your family. Grateful that, that you get to eat every day. Grateful you have a roof over your head. You have to change the message. And when I started changing that inside my head. It was amazing. Like it wasn't, but a couple days later and then the next payment came in, I got all those logins that I needed for my client. Mm -hmm. And now, now it's on me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm working my tail off because I'm behind the eight ball yeah. on the time frame I gave him. Cause he put me out for three freaking weeks, but I'm making it happen. Yeah. And got a couple more opportunities coming in. You know what I mean? It's all good, but yeah. It's it's part of that roller coaster. I mean, I've I've gone through it with songwriting pro when you know there'd be these uh, events like the I had the play for publisher going on right now. It's probably I think it's closed down by the time this drops, but we'll have another one. But it seems like especially at the beginning, it, w- it was always a roller coaster. Especially once you know I'm depending on that so much to feed the family and it starts off all right, and then there's a lull in it where people just aren't buying, and then at the end, it, people start buying. Yeah, and so that's an important part of feeding my family. So I was always like in that middle, that messy middle going, standing on the ledge, ready to jump off. Uh, <laughs> you know, did, yeah. did it ding again? Did the computer ding again? Did we get another sale? Oh, exactly. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Walmart oh, honey, don't, don't go to Walmart today, you know? <laughs> and then you, then you realize, okay, this is part of the journey. This is the middle. This, I recognize this now. I've done enough iterations of this. I've done this enough that I know what this yeah. is. I'm not freaking out. I am thinking about how to always do better and improve and that kind of stuff is always important, but it is part of it, part of it. And you know, the roller coasters leveling out more because I've, I've just been through it enough. But one thing I've noticed with my kids, especially Ozzy, because Ren and Quill, we, I don't know what's going on in their internal monologue very much, but. And it's all Chinese. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Quill lost all his though. But anyway, um, you know, Ruby's six, she's almost seven, but, uh, you know, Ozzy, he's, he's about nine or he's nine and almost 10. So, and he's much more verbal, so we'll communicate. And, but he's, he'll go to that negative place. There's nothing to do. That kind of stuff comes out of his mouth, which makes me mad. I'm like, I got a closet full of games and you got, you know, whatever. There's always things to do. Or yeah. I, I can't do it. Or I just, you know, the conversations about maybe being kind to people that get on your nerves. I can't help it. She made me mad. I have to hit her. That <laughs> like you can't help it, you know, and just the the words that come out of his mouth, I, I really, you know, I noticed. Piss you off, <laughs> yeah, it ticks me off when don't, you know, or even just like you know, he's a creator. He's definitely my son. He he's making up stories and comic books and stuff like I used to do, and he wants to have his own comic company and and all this stuff. And but he'll hit something, and he'll be frustrated, and, and just trying to talk him off the ledge a lot of like, no, don't don't say you can't. We just got to figure out another way. Here's a way around it. What are some other ways it can be done? And But just so much that negative talk, it just kills me when he says, I can't. Like, I'm not asking you to jump off the roof and fly. I'm not asking you for something that's impossible. Like, you've got to watch what you say because your body yeah. listens and your mind listens to what you say and you're telling it how to act. It's like, don't exactly. give me that negativity. 
one of the things that, and we'll wrap this up here, but one, one of the things that uh, they were saying on the Sales Wolves podcast was he's talking to somebody. I, who, who it is doesn't matter. I can't remember who it is. And this is about relationships. And this guy had like just a string of bad relationships. Mm-hmm. And then he started listening to his internal monologue. Mm. And you know what he found out? What? He was telling himself, the woman always cheats on a man. That's what was going on in his head. And so the relationships were bad because he was never going to go that deep because in his mind, women always cheats on a man. Yeah. That's what he was telling himself. And so that, that was manifested itself in his behavior. Yeah. And so maybe he's going to, and they didn't go into the details of how it manifested, but I mean, think about how it can manifest, right? Like, oh, I'm a cheat on her first or not care. I'm not going to go that deep because I'm not going to really be that vulnerable because I know how this is going to end up. If I never really try, I never really fail. Yeah. That, and that's a relationship thing. Yeah. So it's, man, it matters. And it is maybe the most important thing on this planet to your happiness is how you talk to yourself. And so I, that's, that's why I wanted to have this episode today. Because, again, I've been accused of a lot of things, right? But the, probably the one thing I get accused the most of being is the positive person in the room. I get that a lot. There's a lot of people that look to me for that. Yeah. They love that. And that's been my whole life. You know why they look for it? Because they don't get it in their own heads. Yeah, I think that's true. But then coming from that, can you appreciate how scared I was <laughs> when <laughs> I decided to listen to my own internal thoughts? And I was like, who the, who the F is what have you done with Johnny and who's in my head? <laughs> it's like, I've been, I've been, Body you know, yeah. yeah. Like, wow. Wow. That was me, y'all. Like, whew. I just, man. I, I, so I just thought if I have, if, <laughs> if I'm the most positive guy in the room, I can't imagine what anybody else is thinking, but <laughs> I wasn't really listening to that internal dialogue mm-hmm. until I started to, decidedly pay attention to it, but it was there. Now I'm always talking to myself in my head and I'm hearing the louder conversations, but I think I'm tuning out the quieter ones. And that's, those are the ones, Mm -hmm. those are the ones that were causing me all that anxiety and all that fear and doubt. And man, really, I'm making like, what can I do after this? You know, like what? This isn't going to, what? Holy crap. Shut up. Like we got to do something different. We got to change this. So guys, okay. It's all about what's going on inside your head, man. I I hope that you got some benefit out of this. Please comment in the climb community. When we post this, if if this meant something to you, I hope it did because that was real, man. And everybody does it. Everybody goes through it. And so we've got to understand what that is and not be victims. You can't continue to be a victim and be happy. Right. It it just isn't going to work. You got to choose one or the other, but you get to choose and it's your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to change it, you know? So, all right, guys, so that's it. So, Hey, listen, we're available for consultation. Email me at info at daredevilproduction.com, put consultation in the subject line, and we will get something on the books and help you connect the dots on what you have for your assets, what you can do and the different methodologies. Of course, we're always up on the latest 
social media trends and different ways that you can punch through to a larger audience for the effort that you're going to put in there and the money that you're going to put towards it. We do charge for that. Okay. So as often as I say that, I get emails all the time. Oh, I didn't know. Like, like yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just free and you just like hang out because you got nothing else to do. And, and get the free download of 21 Biggest Reasons You Don't Have More Fans and How to Fix It. That's a mindset on just trying to untie the knot from every You've been marketed to through the broadcast platforms. That's how you've been released. So reverse engineering, that is not going to help you one iota on the digital platform. And that's what that whole PDF is about. So go to giftfromjohnny.com. It's absolutely free just for playing our home game. Just tell us where to send it and we'll get that out to you and start to ask the right questions. And when you start asking the right questions, you can start getting the right answers. I promise you that. So guys, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.